0: reading from Acts 22, 1-21 Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defence When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, as the high priests and all the council can testify themselves. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one. And to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now that, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles.
1: Well good evening everybody, uh, my name is Joe, I'm one of the pastors here at Sorrow Bible Church and we are getting close to the end of our Acts series. Uh, we have this week and then next week we'll bring uh, the curtain, will be drawn on this series and then we'll be a week away, which is exciting for those of us who are going. Uh, if you're not going, just a little reminder, there will be no church on that weekend. Um, so, just let you know. But I thought I'd ask a question, and I wonder if you, would mi- if you wouldn't mind sort of entertaining me a little bit and, uh, and answering along. Do you mind? No, you haven't, you haven't heard what I about to ask yet, so you might regret that. I just want to ask uh, a couple of quick questions. One is, has anyone ever been asked to share their testimony? Yep, yeah. all right. Uh, does anyone feel like their testimony is a bit boring? Who feels like it maybe is not that special? Who thinks, well, I was brought up in a Christian house, I've just always been a Christian, and so no one wants to hear that? Few people. It's funny, isn't it? Because I dare say, if we had a testimony like Paul's, big, bright, shiny light, blind, God speaking to us or Jesus speaking to us we'd be pretty pumped on that wouldn't we we'd be pretty keen to share that we'd be like hey look you haven't asked me to share my testimony but I really got to share it with you because I tell everyone and everyone's going to become Christians because it's amazing we all would love that wouldn't we that moment that super special testimony well as we just realised, not all of us have that super special testimony. All of us, not all of us feel like it's that special. And I actually want to say tonight that every person's testimony is special. It might not feel special to you, but it is special. You might find or feel that it is boring, and I might say, or maybe just telling it boring, or maybe it's become boring to you. Every testimony is special and glorious. And Paul teaches us exactly that. And we're going to jump into Paul's testimony. You're going to say, how's Paul's testimony going to do that? It is special. It is amazing. We just heard it. How's Paul going to tell us that even testimonies that we think are boring are special? Well, I want to show us tonight that, it, that he does do this very clearly for us. In fact, tonight the application is right up front. Tonight as we have dinner together, I want you to share your story with someone. I want you to ask someone to share their story with you over dinner tonight. That's the application. So you can go to sleep now. Unless you want to hear why every Story is a special story, no matter how boring we might feel it is. I'm going to pray first, then we're going to jump in. Let's do that. Dear gracious God, we thank you for your word and this opportunity to spend time in it. Father, we thank you that as you call Paul, you have called us to serve and to follow you. And Father, we pray that as we meditate on your word now, Father, we pray that you would show us clearly how every story of faith is a special, glorious story we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we get too far into it, it's good just to give you a bit of background on why Paul is saying what he is saying. How do we get to chapter 22 that Kate read wonderfully for us? How do we get to Paul's testimony? Well, it begins sort of halfway through chapter 21 where word has got out that Paul goes around teaching people that the, all the special sacred laws and the sacrifices and all those other things actually don't bring anybody closer to God. They're actually not the way that people get to be friends with God. It's not the way that people be reconciled with God. In fact, what Paul had also been doing is he's actually been saying that the Gentiles can be saved. Yes, the Gentiles. And they don't have to become Jews to get saved either. And so word got around and everyone was like, this poor guy, he's a real bad egg. We've got to get rid of him. If he comes, we've got to get rid of him. Now, Paul, in chapter 21, meets up with one of his Jewish Christian friends and they go off to the synagogue. And while they're there, Paul gets noticed. And then what happens? What happens is there is a riot of most epic proportions. This is like a riot of all riots. There are fists throwing, there are stones throwing, there is spitting, there is gnashing of teeth. There is, what everything is going. There's the, the thing about this riot, the rules with this riot, is there is no rules, right? It's just all on. And what we find is that a Roman commander has to be sent in to save Paul. Paul actually is beaten to within an inch of his life. And in verse 21, verses 35 and 36, we going to chuck that on the screen for us, we see that as he reached the steps, so violent and dangerous was this riot, was this mob, that they actually had to carry Paul out. Because he was so beaten that he couldn't walk anymore. And the crowd are yelling get rid of him. In fact, it's a lot harsher. It is, this man does not deserve to live. That's a riot. And you know what Paul does when he gets to those steps? When he gets helped to his feet by the commander? He says to the commander, he says, can I talk to the crowd? <laughs> what? What? Like, I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking, get me somewhere safe, get me an ice pack, my knees blown up, I don't, my back aches, just lie me down for a little bit. I need a rest. I'm not talking to anybody for a good while. I'm would probably just going to rock in the corner in the fetal position, and I need to go and talk to Jen Anderson, some pastoral care. I'm struggling. I probably actually went to Tim, and he said to go talk to Jen. That's what I've been doing. But what's he stands up and says, let me talk. I need to tell these people something really important. And that's where we get to in chapter 22, verse 1. This is Paul standing up after being beaten within an inch of his life, sharing his testimony. And he starts off by saying, do you know what? Everybody here, you need to know that being religious being spiritual doesn't make you friends with God. Being religious and spiritual does not make you right with God. And he goes on and says, do you know what? From my young years, before I can fully remember, I grew up being very religious. In fact, Paul's Jewish pedigree is second to none. He grew up in Jerusalem being tutored by the best of the best of rabbis. He is an A++ plus student. He was so well trained, he was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was like the Superman of Pharisees. To demonstrate this, he tells us that, that he was so caught up in being a Pharisee, so caught up in being spiritual, so caught up in being religious in the Jewish customs that he went out and chased down Christians to either put them to death or to put them in prison. Whether there was a man or a woman, he would not stop. He would even rip mothers from their children to either put them to death or into prison and leave those children orphans because he saw that as a Pharisee, as a defender of the Jewish tradition, he was doing the right thing to stamp out, to wipe out this Christianity. Paul is saying, you want to say being religious, being spiritual gets you closer to God? try and get more spiritual and religious than me. In fact, that's why he was on the road to Damascus. He had letters in hand to go and round up the Christians there, to drive them out. You can imagine Paul would have been a very proud and almost arrogant man. You can almost imagine he's thinking, I'm going to walk into Damascus, waving the papers, And the Christians are just going to come out of every nook and cranny and they're going to run and it's going to make my job easier because they're all going to run straight out to where we are. We'll catch them, take them off, done. That's what Paul was in Damascus for. And so when Paul stands up after being beaten to the point of death and looks at all these Jewish people, he sees himself. He says, I was just like you. I was so religious, I was so spiritual just like you that I thought killing people was the best and right response. What Paul is highlighting for these Jews and for us is that we can be as spiritual we can be as religious as we like. We need to understand that if we are holding on to that, thinking that that is what saves us, that that is what draws us closer to God, what we're actually doing is we're, we're not fighting against sin, we're actually fighting against God. God because we're actually saying, I've got this. My spiritualness, my religiousness. I don't know, that's a word, but I'm using it tonight. What I do matters more than what God does. And so Paul paints this picture for us when we think about how we can share our testimony. As he shares his, he says when we share our story, our story starts with who I once was. Who I used to be. Paul says, here is who I used to be. A Pharisee of Pharisees, religious, spiritual, just like you in the crowd. But this is not the way to come near to God, to be reconciled with God. It is not our spiritual or religious practices, it is only Jesus who saves. Only Jesus reconciles us to God. That's the first thing. The next thing is this, that Paul shows us that it is only through God's amazing grace and powerful love that we can be saved. Because remember when Paul was on his way to Damascus, He wasn't on the road walking thinking, "Oh, I wonder what this Jesus guy is about. Maybe I should change my religion. Uh, Maybe there's something more to life after death. Uh, Maybe those apostles, those disciples have something. Maybe this resurrection did actually happen. Maybe I should stop for a moment and sit on this rock and ponder all these things until I come to an answer on my own. That's not what Paul was doing, was it? Paul was on a mission. He was heading to Damascus to wipe out Christians. That's what he was doing. He wasn't sitting there thinking about this Jesus guy and his resurrection and what this means and why these people all these people all around the area are starting to turn and follow this Jesus. He didn't stop to think about that because he was a defiant defender of the Jewish faith. And his mission was to stop Christians. God's mission was to stop Paul. And he does it in the most miraculous of ways. He stops Paul in his tracks and says, Paul, if you are not going to ponder my son, and what this means. You're not going to actually reflect. You're not actually going to stop and think about who I am and who my son has revealed me to be and how you can draw close to me. If you're not going to stop and meditate on that because you think that you see all things clearly because you you have the spiritual eyesight of a pair of binoculars, says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop you. I'm going to blind you. That's what he does. Such a bright light blinds Paul. Here is this man who thinks he's going to walk into Damascus waving these papers, these letters in the air. is being led by the hand like a blind man into this town. God knocks Paul down a peg or two through his powerful love. See, God doesn't look on Paul and says, "You know that poor guy. His heart's in the right place. He might be doing a few things that he probably shouldn't be doing, but he's a pretty good guy. Look at all those things. He's pretty, you know, he's pretty onto it. He's pretty religious. He's pretty kind of spiritual. I think I want him on my team." It's not like God is picking teams in the playground. You know, those moments at lunchtime in primary school and you have you and you and no one wants to be that last kid. That's not what God is doing. God is not looking at the quality of the person. He's looking at the purpose that he has in store for them. And so when Paul stops, sorry, when Jesus stops I'll try that again. God stops Paul in his tracks. We see Jesus speaking to him. In Acts 22, verses 7 and 8, have a look with me on the screen. We see here that voice calls out. It says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why? Again. Why are you persecuting? Why are you persecuting me? Now it's weird because he's not actually chasing after Jesus and trying to drive Jesus out. He's driving Christians out. Here Jesus Jesus saying, whatever you do to those who follow me, you do to me. And so Jesus says to Paul, why? Why are you doing this? Paul, there is nothing about you that deserves me to save you. Look what you're doing, Paul. You're persecuting me. You're persecuting those who trust in me, those who accepted me as Lord. Why should you be saved, Paul? You ever ask that question of yourself? You ever ask why? Why were you saved? It's an interesting question. It's a question I've asked myself this week. Why did I, a son of a divorced couple, a child who grew up in difficult family situations with an alcoholic stepfather, an abusive stepfather, why was I saved? There's nothing about me If you saw me in high school standing up in front of people like this, you would have gone, Why would you save him? I would be a blubbering mess. Why has God saved you? Why has God saved me? God has called you and me, He has saved you and me for something far greater than what we will ever know in this life. But He saves us. He saves you and me, not because of what we are or what we do, but because of who He is and what He does. When we are saved, Paul will tell Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.9, which he tells us to, he says of God, he says he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. God saves you and me not because of who we are, but because of who He is. We do not save ourselves. No matter what we do, no matter how we think of ourselves, we do not save ourselves. Paul did not save himself. It was through the amazing grace and the powerful love of God that Paul was saved. It is through the amazing grace and the powerful love of God that you and I have been saved if we trust in Jesus. It is not what you have done. And just as importantly, hear this really carefully, it is also not because of what you haven't done. If you are sitting here tonight and you are still on a journey of faith, you're still checking out this Jesus guy, Don't think that there is something that you haven't done yet to earn his faith, because that is not true. It is his amazing grace and his powerful love that saves. And as I said, Paul continues on and tells us that we are saved for a purpose. There is a reason why you and I have been saved. And this is a lesson that Paul gets told twice In chapter 22, have a look. Chapter 22, verse 10. After Paul says, what shall I do? The response is, get up, the Lord said, and go to Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. And then down in verses 14 and 15. Ananias tells him, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witnesses to all people. Of that you have seen and heard. What is the purpose of Paul being called by God? It's very simple. To go and share the good news of Jesus. To go and share this life transforming news this news that God in his grace and love for us sent his son Jesus to die for us but more than that to rise from the dead so that we may not only have forgiveness but eternal life to share that news that is not through what we do but what has been done for us through Jesus There we have salvation. There we have forgiveness. There we have reconciliation to God, not through what we do or what we haven't done, but through him and him alone. While we sit here thinking, well, I haven't been called for that purpose that Paul has, to go and do missionary work, to travel around. I haven't been called to be a preacher. I want to say to us tonight that we have all been called to share the good news of Jesus. We have all been called to share our story of how God transformed our lives through his son Jesus. That is a call that every single person has because that is why you and I have been called by God. That is why Paul was called by God. We are called not to just sit in church and enjoy being together here. We are called to join together here, to be encouraged and to be spurred on so that we may go out and share the good news of Jesus. That is the purpose we have been called to. Not to sit here in selfishness and keep this good news to ourselves. And you might be sitting here tonight and going, well, I thought you were going to tell me that every, every uh, testimony was a special testimony and all you've done, is just made me feel worse because Paul's are so great and mine's feeling even less than what it was at the beginning of the night. I'm sorry if that is how you are feeling. That is not the intent. But hear this, please. Three really simple principles Paul gives us for sharing our testimony tonight. One is who I once was, what God did, and now what God is doing. Three really simple things. And you notice the shift It goes from I to God to God. Every story is a special story because as you move through your story, you become less and God becomes more. If you grew up in a Christian family and you can't remember the moment when you became a Christian, I guarantee you there have been moments in your life where you have gone, I don't think I'm really following Jesus properly. I need to do something about this. I need to recommit myself. I need to, I need to get back on track. That is a special moment. Because that is not you thinking that. That is the grace and the love of God at work in you. To say, hey, look, you're wandering away, come back. That is special. You may have had that experience a number of times and every one of those moments is a special moment. Do you know, I grew up in a non-Christian family and I wish, when I hear people who grew up in Christian families say, my story's not very good, I'm going, no, it's the best. Because I want that to be my story. Tell me about it, please. Because I feel like I missed out on all this wonderful stuff growing up. Friends, our story is a beautiful story. It is a wonderful story. It is a special story. No matter how boring you might think it is, it isn't. Because without that story, you would not be sitting here right now Without that story, you wouldn't be trusting in Jesus right now. Without your story, God wouldn't be at work in you to maybe even bring that friend or family member that you've been praying for to come along to church and maybe even have their lives turned upside down because your story intertwined with their story and change their story forever because that is exactly what happened with us our story intertwined with God's story and so our story and God's story are one story it is a wonderful beautiful story and can I encourage us tonight We don't have to have big, bold, beautiful, wonderful, extravagant stories like Paul does. But every story of how we come to know Jesus, how Jesus changed everything in our lives, is a special and important story, and a story worth sharing. So please do not ever think that your story is boring, because it's not. So share it. I look forward to hearing some stories tonight. I hope you do too. Let me pray. Dear gracious Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the boldness of Paul to share his story. His story of how you changed everything in his life. That his story became not about him but about you. That same story is our story. The story of how our lives were changed by Jesus. Changed to have meaning and purpose. To share the good news of Jesus. And to share the story of how our lives have been changed by him. Father, I pray that tonight that we have all been encouraged. Father, we know that our story is special and glorious and wondrous because our story is your story. Amen.